Hey listeners, it's Luigi here with a slight programming note, or rather, um, a, a note about how my audio is very bad in this episode, because I was absent-minded and didn't turn on um, this beautiful microphone that you hear my voice coming through right now, and you hear a different microphone. Um, but we had such a great discussion with Sinister and Duckfist about the Ninja Gaiden Relay that I still wanted to get this out to you and uh, let you know that it's it's okay. I love you, and please please listen to this wonderful discussion. I'm sorry that I messed up my microphone, and I promise not to do it again. Um, and I blame COVID, so sure. So with that out of the way, hey, thanks for showing up. Thanks for sticking around, and uh, yeah, we had it's a great discussion. So please enjoy. Something happens to our wheels. Uh, I've been told that it helps drive the show farther. And so I just kind of go with it. And we talk about something different while our wheels are moving around. Yeah, Pit Stop, it's like a, it's like a fun little sideshow. Hey, do you like some routing when you can't actually be running, you know? You know, yeah, especially you know if you, you're doing rally racing and you've got the guy and the co-pilot, then you can work with someone in the routing. It's like a co-op run together. Um, <laughs> I love if you, you heard my uh, my stalwart companion Bradley here on a Hi. pit stop at last with me because yes this this is my first pit stop I'm always on need for speed running but I also am just a very busy man as of recently but the marriage is over and that we are right. we are married I didn't speed run the marriage um, <laughs> you're legally betrothed. I'm legally betrothed. Now the goal is to take it easy and take it slow, but uh, super excited to be on Pit Stop. I love uh, casual discussions, which is more of my forte, despite that I will do 20 pages of research for some podcasts. Uh, yeah, I think don't, don't, don't be coy. Uh, my Castlevania <laughs> timeline is still giving me headaches, but yes, I'm so happy to be here. And we have some absolutely wonderful guests. Who do we have with us here today? Uh, well, 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 I, well, I'm Sinister One, and uh, I have been in the speedrunning community since 2009, and I have done all kinds of speedruns, but most of them have been on the NES and the Super Nintendo. Those are my two of my favorite platforms, and currently doing some co-op speedruns with my buddy General Andrews. We do some, some Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in and say, what did you think of the Chip and Dale movie? Did you love it? I did not love it. No, I, you know, I, okay. I did watch it. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> okay. You're a braver man. Uh, than I. 
Yeah, I felt kind of obligated. You know, if we hadn't been doing the speed runs of the games, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Right. I, I had Everyone's going to see. gonna be coming in. Yeah, chat asking exactly. Everybody was coming in chat asking. It definitely could have been worse. I mean, you know, I, I was expecting, oh, this is a situation, cat, typical Hollywood cash grab. Oh, hey, this thing was popular 30 years ago. Let's revive it and mm. make money. Yeah, it seems like it didn't really uh, try and stay true to the roots of Chippendale. Instead, it was trying to be like a funny uh, take on animation history, which was cool. But uh, as a devoted fan to Chippendale, it didn't seem loyal to the characters, perhaps. I, I would I would agree. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Duckfist. I've been uh, around the speedrunning community since like 2011, AGTU 2011. I do uh, NES games, JRPGs, uh, mostly known for like Mega Man, Ninja Gaiden, Final Fantasy 3, Mario Brothers 3, stuff like that. Mega Man 2 Randomizer uh, did that. Um, maybe just podcast connection from way back in the day. It's on the Sunday sequence break. Yeah. Um, it's like 2012. And yeah, Sinister One, you were on the final split. So it's a nice little uh, That's kind of podcast gathering. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, definitely... Even even this is uh, 2015. It, it, it's still uh, GDQ is uh, heavy on the you know the NES era of of runs. Very you know being very popular. Everyone's and a lot of these games pretty much grounded down over the last you know, decade. Yeah, the Ninja Gaiden yeah. games are definitely up there with the the really optimized games from way back when. People are on SDA, you know, just knocking out seconds for that, you know, over 10 years ago. So as you can imagine, like nowadays, it's just insanely optimized. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not to say that, the, you know, this game is uh, Hobbs always says he hates it when people are like, how optimized is this game? Like everything continues to get better and better. I, w I wonder, is Ninja Gaiden special in that uh, it almost begs to be broken in half because it's just such a pain in the ass? It's definitely like a revenge game for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's one of those that's like, you know, takes five hours to do like a blind run or more. But then you learn to speed run it. You, you spend like in a day learning to speed run it and you can be in under 20 minutes relatively easily. So it's got that huge disparity between speed run time and casual time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, any one of those games that just punishes you and you remember it being insanely difficult. Uh, those are the kind of games you want to see uh, speed ran, speed run speed how do i not know the proper conjugation for this yet um <laughs> you you want to see them be speed ran and uh it's just fun watching you turn it around on them you know it's my turn to take it to you jetpack ninjas or or even just like learn a level like i could see <laughs> or beat beat to... the game <laughs> that's right so the the speed run that we're particularly kind of looking at today is from agdq 2015 correct Correct. And that is the, the Ninja Gaiden um, 1 through 3 relay race. And I I just watched this. I probably watched it before back in the day. I always am watching random ones. But I watched it again today. And I didn't realize that this was possibly like the first like live event with a relay done before. Is that correct? That is correct. This I think that's the right. first yeah. time ever. Did you guys put this together or like was because you said like yes. we, we've tried this with other game series before, but like, well, that, that was a, that that uh, that was online only. So previously to this, there was a, a guy named Joka who if you go ahead and watch the AGDQ 2015 VOD, he kind of 
pops up behind us at this moment and waves. He almost like if you've ever played Mortal Kombat <laughs> two and that guy that's like toasty, he like kind of pops <laughs> oh, yeah. out just like that. Um, it's, so he just didn't have the uppercuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, thankfully I didn't have to uppercut anybody, you know, even though I'm known for, for punch out. Uh, but basically mm-hmm. he had organized a mega man one through six relay that was done online, not in person. And that kind of spurred the idea of like, oh, well, you know, what if what if we did something like this in person and at a Games Done Quick event? Uh, so, you know, I kind of went around asking some of the players of the, the Ninja Gaiden 1 through 3 games if they'd be interested. And of course, Duck Fist and I are both runners for Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. So initially, we would have maybe had to play in this. Thankfully, we didn't. I don't think either one of us really necessarily wanted to. It's a little more comf- comfortable on the... Uh, commentary side than on the running side when it comes to these games we it's pretty high stakes uh to play these games live mm. yeah duck this talk can you tell us a little bit about what kind of skips and tech you have to pull off to beat this game in like under 13 minutes well ninja guy in one uh i think is what you're referring to but actually it's kind of the same for all three of them really i mean they're you know 10 to 15 minutes in length. There's no major skips, really. It's just going through the entire game. You know, there's just pretty linear platforming levels. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting to the end boss and killing the boss as quickly as possible. For the most part, you're limited by how fast you can move. It's a fixed kind of speed. So you just really want to optimize any time that you need to, like, stand still or avoid getting hit by enemies or killing bosses really fast. And that's where most of the optimization comes into play is really just killing bosses. And it's getting down to that, like you know, 15 minute threshold. And that that's the first part. And then the rest of your career is just optimizing out the next minute in all the <laughs> games. It's, it's like that. So as soon as sir, did you have yeah, anything I could, to- I could add on to that? I'd say also just resource management. There's a lot of damage boosting in these games. So you really have to kind of understand uh, the trade-offs between, you know, speed and, and the resource that is your, your life total. And, and also just not dying, which, you know, in, in some games is maybe more trivial, but in Ninja Gaiden series games, uh, the, the, the developers really wanted to just kill you at every turn. So <laughs> the idea of not dying is important because it allows you to keep the sub weapon that you have. You know, you always have your sword, right? But then there's these other sub weapons that are extremely powerful. And, you know, that's what Duckfist was talking about, to be able to kill the bosses faster, or get through certain sections faster. You got to hang on to those. If you die, you lose them. Then you're stuck with just your sword. You're in a really rough spot. Yeah. And you may not be able to get a specific power up that you want to. Almost like in, in SMB1, if you're doing all levels and you're like, I, I, you lose your fire flower. Exactly. Right. And this was one of the... Uh one of the points of difficulty in getting this accepted, just sinister looking back at our old uh, SDA threads, like uh, talking with Mikey Yama and all that, you know, they were really just, con- we were really just considering what would be the most, what would be a really good stable relay option that wouldn't involve somebody easily falling way behind and maybe having this kind of mm-hmm. blowout, you know? And I think they were also considering Mega Man X for Correct. a relay. That was, that um, was a consideration, which would of course happen years later, but, uh, right. It turned out that Ninja Gaiden was actually the more stable choice between, uh, the two series in terms of, yeah. you know, they're, they're shorter games, first of all. So, you know, shorter games, uh, you would assume that there's less opportunity for things to, to go wrong. Uh, and I think, you know, the consistency can be a little bit higher as well. But the uh, the risks are definitely still there. I oh, mean, to yeah. go along with what you said, if you die at the wrong time with the right sub weapon, you lose a lot of time. So we are really fortunate that a lot of the runners in this relay, you know, there was no, you know, big disparity like that. And mm-hmm. 
I can't remember if there was any deaths. I haven't watched it recently. I think the yeah, Ninja Gaiden one yes. was pretty Yeah, there were there were some deaths, but thankfully none of them were of the, you know, ultra tragic variety. They they were ones that you yeah. could reasonably recover from. One of them, I, I think it might have been in two, was thankfully right before the power-up. So just eat the death. We yep. get the power-up anyway. Yep, that was yeah. a fortunate one. Almost every death that happened... You both are like, this is a good time to die. It's at the beginning of the level. <laughs> right, right, Ideally, right. you want to die now. It's true. It's uh, it's crazy watching watching this back too. Uh, you you see someone pull ahead, and you think that's it. Like they they got such a lead going, and to see it mm-hmm. go back and forth, that's what you want in a race. And somehow there's like this magic that happens often in speedrunning, where no matter what the lead is on either side, it's uh, invariably going to wind up kind of close at the end. And the fact that it's Ooh. still down to like a second uh, at the end of Ninja Gaiden 3, uh, it's it's what you want. You never want to see uh, other people die, but you want a good race. And especially, there's just something fun, the, the added uh, intensity of it's not just you, it's your team. And then, man, I mean, once it gets to your turn, the just watching the pressure build, like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'd rather be commentating with you guys on the side. Do you think there's something like unconscious in, in in every speedrunner doing like a live event that makes it so that when you're behind, you play a little bit better. And when you're ahead, your nerves just like prevent you from doing as well. And it just kind of stabilizes things sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I have a theory about this. Uh, when you're behind, you, you're more likely to play as if you have nothing to lose. That's kind of the psychology of like, you know, versus right. if you're ahead, you have something to lose. You're going to be a little more nervous. You're going to want to preserve you might be more conservative. That might cause you to make a mistake because you're not playing your normal strategy. And uh, I think that that happens. Most people, when they're preparing for, you know, for runs at a marathon, uh, I, I would say they, they typically just kind of ha- say, hey, these are my strats and this is what I'm going to do. They don't try to practice mm-hmm. different situations of like, all right, well, if I was ahead here, I would maybe do this safe strat in this stage that I don't normally do. And then what happens is, even even strats that are safe, if you haven't practiced them, they become unsafe. So all of a sudden, you might make a mistake on something that seems so simple because it's just not in your muscle memory. So you know that that's another factor as well. Just, just don't second guess yourself too much. Yeah, don't trust the muscle memory. Don't think, yeah. just play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spend too much time just talking about Ohon, but like. You kind of have to talk about Ohon. Like, was it a was that like the first big runner outside of North America to to make it to a GDQ? Uh, that was his first time here. First from Japan, but the, in 2014, that was really the AGDQ 2014. That was really the big international expansion. There had been international runners before that had come. Uh, to GDQs, but I think in AGDQ 2014, you saw an explosion where there was really a lot of European runners, and especially those that were of, of top tier skill level, start to come to the events. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the Japanese players uh, were able to come in this instance, and I believe some of them had come to in, in 2014 as well, uh, okay. but Ohon, it was his first time. Uh, there was actually a, a separate event that was organized by a guy named Golden. And that was called a JRTA. And then the point of this event was in order to help raise funding to get Japanese speedrunners to be able to come to the games done quick events. Cause you know, I mean, most at that back at that time, people didn't really have a lot of, you know, 
stream income and so on and so forth. So there was a lot of mm-hmm. fundraising to get players to events. Uh, and that event, of course, was successful. And I believe they got at least three, if not four uh, players from Japan to come to AGDQ 2015 with Ohon being one of them. I think it was also Hagane who played Super Castlevania 4. And mm-hmm. I think, was it Oxus that was the last okay. one? I believe that that sounds right to me. And yeah, that man, that JRTA marathon was so awesome. That just brought me right back. I got to find some VODs. Like, I remember Ohon did the Paris Dakar rally on the Famicom. <laughs> and that just, it became an instant meme. It was so cool. <laughs> like, if I could see the chat from that, it was so much fun uh, to see and play that. Yeah. Great times. Yeah, he's he's amazing to watch. I I think especially back then, uh, it's funny how the runners in America, or at least in like North America, new skips and tech would be found whenever a previously unknown Ohon run was unearthed. Like someone'd be like, "Oh, I just found a run that he posted on some board, and it's got some crazy." bird skip or you know that in a spot that we never thought about before or something like that yes japan japan had a separate community not separate but it was just you know the the the, the speedrun community was not as global as it was as it is now uh back at that time so in japan there was definitely a lot of runners for ninja gaiden uh and then in north america the that that uh kind of community came around later on so yes they would uncover mm-hmm. these things and course there's the there's the summoning salt video for ninja guide and if people want to see the full history of that but right. own uh was you know as as was typical of a lot of these really top tier japanese players uh they were really more advanced and uh they were much more precise and optimized in their approach to not only routing but execution compared to the north american counterparts and that really showed up when you know ohun got to the practice room and he would just be, I mean, I think he had the record at that time. And I want to say it was maybe like a, it was like 11, 1147 or something. Yeah. I mean, 1140s, high 1140s or maybe low, low 1150s, but he it was, was, sub. it was sub yes, 1150 uh, at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, so he was getting sub 12 minute times in the practice room, which is, yeah. I mean, it's really just <laughs> absurd because for anybody that hasn't been to a, a GDQ event, you know, first of all. Uh, the practice room, it's a very crowded and loud place. It's not, you can't really focus very well. Uh, but this guy, he was able to tune it all out and he's just cranking out run after run. And, and, you know, people are watching and just kind of like, is this guy for real? Like, (laughs) do you, do you remember? So this was back in 2015. This was before OSSEs were really big, you know, the upscalers that made you able to play on flat screen monitors with you know in, no input lag it was before that mm-hmm. so if i remember right ohon he had played on an lcd all the way up until then like a normal with all the input lag right and we only had crts at the event so he was used to the input what? lag yeah and after <laughs> so i remember Whoa. his first couple of you know he's just practicing and it was pretty rough but then I check back in like an hour and he's getting like 12 minute times like he he caught up fast you know and I just thought that was really impressive. I think uh, I think Hagane had also played on LCDs. I don't think CRT was too common uh, for a lot of yeah, like Japanese uh, I, I NES and SNES right. players. It would be either LCD or they'd also just play on emulator a lot of times. Yep. So that was yep. typical that they'd have to make the adjustment once they came to the to the live event, and that and that does make it much more impressive. 
when somebody's able to to do that. But you know, and then it showed in his run. I mean, he got a, I believe he got like a sub twelve ten time in the marathon, which it's I absurd. Mean, yeah, it was like so. twelve of two. Like if he hadn't stumbled on one of the final boss forms, that's a sub twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, a, he had yeah his his Jackio. He had some <laughs> struggles, but I mean, otherwise it was just such a clean run and uh you know but dexter dexter kind of kept up he kept his team in there yeah dexter played really well too i think just kind of uh he also had kind of a final form or a final boss uh stuff like almost died yes on the third form. they both almost died they were both down to one hit so if either one of them were they had both taken, one hit yeah yeah they both they both had so the the final boss it deals three damage per hit and they both were on three health and uh, we're mm-hmm. able to finish the job, which it is tr- tricky because the the uh, projectiles that are being shot out of the final boss, it's extremely random and there's a lot of them. <laughs> so to avoid those, you you need you need to be pretty lucky and, and on your toes. Yeah, oh. As far as run killers go, that is the run killer like we were talking about. If there's anything unstable about Ninja Gaiden, it's dying against that boss right there suddenly you know four minutes are gone like that's the worst possible point to die so after that you know sinister and i i'm sure everybody in the room was just yes collective sigh of relief big relief separated by less than 10 seconds uh going into the next game like pretty great and we kind of get the same almost uh the flip jimmy was playing very 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 well well, he also and, had a death too, and and Jimmy. This is a fun fact for for you listeners out there. Jimmy wasn't even supposed to be in the relay. So the original person that was supposed to be in the relay is is somewhat of a Ninja Gaiden two legend. That is Jorf. You'll anytime if you watch people speed run Ninja Gaiden two now, they'll reference. They'll say, "Oh, this is Jorf's favorite stage." When they get to five two, it's a huge meme. Okay, uh, but Jorf had to had to uh, drop out for whatever reason. So. Jimmy Poopins, you know, he kind of reached out to me and was like, you know, hey, do you guys need somebody to step in? And I was like, yes, please. Uh, and at that time, he, he he was good, but he wasn't quite at the level that he got to by the, by the marathon. He really dedicated himself because this was, you know, probably maybe three months before the marathon or something like that. But he really put mm-hmm. in work uh, and did it. He did get the world record even before before the time of the marathon. So he got to oh, nice. quite a high level uh, by the time it was, you know, it was showtime. Yeah, it, it shows because um, I, I love that two has this like sword bounce thing. Um, do either of you wanted to describe what that kind of like bouncing off the wall with the sword does? Oh, sure. The wall okay. climbing. Go ahead, Duckfist. You can you can take that one. Right, right. Yeah, that's just a uh, wall climbing. I mean, there's a couple of different properties that that go into that but uh yeah in ninja gaiden in ninja gaiden one you know you had specific walls that you could actually climb up but if you're really skilled uh you could climb up any wall by just kind of wiggling the controller back and forth and it's really difficult to do um and you could do them on the ladders that you can normally climb to speed it up but that's you know even harder and in ninja gaiden 2 almost every i think every wall you could actually just climb like a ladder up and down but again it was faster in that game as well by jumping off of the wall and grabbing up against the wall you know instead of just normally climbing but if you actually slash your yeah yeah and if you actually like slash your sword in midair it lets you have that full forward movement speed going backward during the sword slash animation that just lets you you know grab back onto the wall really quickly and you just do that over and over again it's pretty much every time you jump away from the wall you gain a few pixels in height and you just want to do that as much as you can that's really hard to do fast 
It looks like you're stabbing the wall across from you and bouncing off of it, but you're not. It's just messing with your momentum. Yeah, the sword yeah. slash just lets you have that full forward speed while moving backwards. Normally, when you move huh. backwards in midair, it's very slow, but not while slashing the sword. And there is a risk to it. There is a risk to it because if you, you know, with the D-pad, if you accidentally, you're, you're going, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right to, to do this. Uh, if you accidentally catch a diagonal and, and hit up, you're going to use your sub-weapon. And typically, the resources are very limited in Ninja Gaiden 2. If you accidentally use your sub-weapon while you're doing those wall climbs, you're not going to have enough uh, Ninpo, which is the resource you need to use your sub-weapons when you get to the boss. So you're going to be like one weapon use short when you mm -hmm. get there. So it's like... Don't mess this up. Like you think it's oh, it's just a it's just a small speed tech. Like it's actually got a little more pressure to it than that. It's it's risk reward. Yeah, really risky. Yeah, because you want to go, you want to do it faster, and the faster you do it, the more risk you put yourself. You know, as your thumbs flail around on the controller. And also, if Ooh. you're too fast, if you like go left, right, kind of on subsequent inputs, you can clip through the wall. So <laughs> the game really doesn't want you to be as fast as you can. Like it's sometimes you want to clip through the wall, but sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you want to save your Ninpo in Ninja Gaiden 2 for what is it called? The Triform? Where you uh, like that's right. you, we have to switch I, I mean, techniques. I, yeah, it's I mean we call it the invincible fire wheel, but it's there there might be like an actual official name for it, but we just call it invincible well, fire wheel. Okay. Well, there's the, the shadow buddies. Well, yeah, what's the shadow buddies? Yeah, splitting so, your body is the official name, I think. Oh, is that it? Yeah. The, the TN attack. <laughs> yeah. From the, Dragon Ball. Those guys basically just mm. copy whatever your main guy does. So, you know, mm. you got you got two of those guys following you and you, you know, you use a sub weapon. They'll also use it so you can get three hits for the for the price of one basically yeah if you stack all three all your clones on top of you and do regular sword slashes it only counts as one hit but if you use sub weapons all three sub weapons count as one hit every oh. sub weapon only does one damage just like your sword but if you can get three sub weapon shots off per you know cooldown that's the fastest way to do it so you want to have enough nimpo when you get to the boss so that you can kill him really fast and you want to have just enough you don't want to have any more than you need to because the number counts down before the stage ends and this is this is the Ninja Gaiden game where you, you want to make sure you grab a scroll on every level and max out your wallet, your Nimbo Correct. wallet. Yep. Correct. And in, in, in Ninja Gaiden 1, you didn't have to worry about that. You could just, you, you could technically, you could get infinity if, I mean, you know, if there were infinite Nimbo, you could, you could get however much you want. But yes, in this, it is capped. So if you don't get those scrolls, then you're going to be short. And as the bosses get tougher, as you get later in the game... You really need to have that maximum amount. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think every stage is routed to use the maximum info, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no compromise. There's no yet. room for error. No. At the end, you need all 100. You know, if you miss, <laughs> you have to come up with it. Come up with the time saving somewhere. You're saying the any percent record is also a low percent record. Uh, well, I'd say it's also a 100% record <laughs> as far as scrolls obtained. No, no, low, low, low percent for this game is considered if you use the sword only and you don't use oh, the sword. Oh, yeah, weapons. I guess. Yeah. That's the, that that's be, the difference. That would suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ask Dust, Duckfist about that one. Was, he he knows oh, God. sword only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing. The Ninja Gaiden games are known for. The alternative categories like pacifists are, are really popular in these in these games for some crazy reason. 
Like, yeah, yeah, probably for the same reason of this game has killed me a million times, you know, it's time to let, you know, wounds heal. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh without killing anyone. Yeah, a lot of these little things, uh, Jimmy just was stringing them together, was, was, was on point, was nailing them. But it, it leads to them kind of getting tied up uh, around the end of stage five and just stage six the entire stage is just tied like sometimes right. down to the screen transitions like 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 that still sort of gives me goosebumps watching it like just seeing them go that long on it it's pretty cool to watch um like do you think like it's just those little moments in this run there's a lot of little moments like that in this run that are just super cool uh, really high. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, like boss quick kills are a huge thing in Ninja Gaiden too, and they're really difficult to optimize. Like when you get to a boss, like you have maybe two seconds of input total for the entire mm. duration of the boss fight, and it's like a fighting game, real strict, real strict input to try and cancel. So it's not only having your two shadow clones also spitting out the sub weapon to deal damage. So you normally have like this little cooldown period before you can throw the next wave. You can actually cancel that cooldown period by either landing from a jump or by jumping. So you have this rhythm you want to get into where you up B, do attack, and then you jump to cancel it, and then up B again, and then up B again before you land. You know, and just, sometimes you're moving around when you're doing this, and it's it's just crazy. Sometimes Every boss, boss is like that. Frozen in midair when you're dealing damage to it, and then starts moving again. Yeah, like a third boss. Yep, yep. Fortunately, there's not much RNG except for when you get to the final boss. That's one of the the real appeals, I think, of Ninja Gaiden Two and Three. It's very low RNG. Uh, for two and three, it's almost like the boss fights are routed. Like there, there is a specific place you want to move and stand for when the boss is moving to the left. And once it gets there, then you're going to want to like position yourself over here and uh, just to get like the mat, the most amount of hits on it you can. Yeah. They're it's like a DPS yeah. sort of thing. Yep. Yep. It all comes down to, can you execute this insanely tight like combo and get all the cancels out perfectly? And there's like no skill. There's like no skill ceiling. It's as fast as you can go. If you go frame perfect, you know, task like that's the that's the limit. And Ninja Gaiden three also has a crazy series of sword canceling uh, that you can use to save time in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Like the boss fights in these games are no joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, three is pretty straightforward. They they sort of there's not too many like crazy boss exploits. I mean, you can still bring in you know flaming wheel of death and. And stuff like that, but yeah, it, it's almost uh, Tecmo going. Okay, no more, no more the silly crap that you kids have been doing. Um, we're taking <laughs> yeah, all of that away from you. It's pretty weird. So it's there's the canceling tricks, and then there's the wall climbing tricks in all three games. They it works differently in all three games, but they can all be exploited like in slightly different ways, which I think is funny. They, they try to change the mechanics a little bit in each subsequent game, but they don't quite fix it up all the way. So in three, you can do fast wall climbs. It's just not quite as important, but it still works. You can also sword cancel to get your attacks off faster against bosses. Mm -hmm. It just works a little differently. It's actually much harder in that game, but you can yeah, still do it. It's a floatier game in general. Yes, a little floatier. Yeah. And then I'd oh, say yeah. the one difference with the bosses in three is that 
in one and two, you're really able to deal more than one damage at a time. So, you know, in one, obviously you have the, the spin slash, which I think deals one damage per frame of movement or something. So it's all like instant kill on most of the bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the screw attack. Uh, yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's instant death. And two, you have your shadow buddy. So you're able to basically get, you know, three hits at a time, three damage per, per time. Uh, but in three, it's really just like one damage at a time. So I think, you know, the boss fights are subsequently slower and then you have to, you know, be a little more skillful and optimized because you're you're having to deal that many more hits than you would in the other two. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to play this game now. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would recommend one or two over three. <laughs> or, or stick with the Japanese version. Yeah, I think did they played the North American release of they three, right? Even yes. Ohon, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Who were the players, actually? No, sorry, it was Crack it Attack. It was Crack and Attack and Infested Reach were the, Rich, the right, players. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, okay. and this one you know, was pretty neck and neck. Uh, like, yeah, 3 just doesn't, it's not as showy. It's almost just like, no more gimmicks, kids. Just survive. Just put it down. Yeah, survive. <laughs> and they both, they, they both, you know, managed to do that well enough. I mean, I think, I think Rich had, had uh, I want to say two deaths, actually, but he was able to, recover well enough that you know it didn't put him out of the race i believe he was the world record holder at the time in ninja guy that could that be right I, they, they had gone back and forth crack attack and rich had gone back and forth maybe like five or six times between them so they they, yeah. they were both ex- extremely good and you know they were really at the same level it was just a matter of whoever happened to have it at that particular time I, I just love Crack Attack's nervous laughs. Like you, you could just you could feel the tension coming out of him because yeah, I mean it was going back and forth, and uh, you, it's got to be a scary feeling just seeing someone creeping up on you, and then you get to like those boss transitions, and it's like almost the same frame just coming down the transition. Intense, intense battle at the end there, especially in yeah. Ninja Gaiden Three, where like sure. is death guaranteed? Kinda. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, what do you mean exactly? I'm just going to answer yes. Like, it's probably going to cover it. The North American version, especially. I mean, I, I think they're all pretty equally dangerous. So with, with, with one, I'd say the biggest danger is at the end. You know, some of those final yeah. bosses, you can maybe get killed or somewhere in Act 5, okay. Act 6. Yeah. That's it. In two... Uh, you can really die anywhere that that one has the most precision in the platforming i'd say there's just so many more places where you can die to the platforming aspect let alone the enemies or bosses um and then in three i think it's just like anywhere <laughs> yeah unfortunately i think three controls really well like there's no eaten inputs or anything like that like not as much as like one at the very least but I don't know. So much. It is a really scary game. The North American version, when you die, you always go back to the beginning of the level. There's no checkpoints. You take like twice as much damage against everything. So, and there's limited continues. So there's a lot of pressure there. But if you like stick to your script and you don't try any insane tricks, it's relatively consistent just to go through the game. You know, it's not that hard. <laughs> it's cringe when I'm saying that to myself. It's yeah, but yeah, if, <laughs> if you studied that game a lot, it, it's not that scary where i think like one and two at certain points can always be scary okay yeah and and, and i think just for clarification the, the reason the north american version is more difficult is because of renting yeah yes you will be punished <laughs> rent us again nintendo didn't have enough political power in america to outlaw 
the rental of video games the way they did in Japan. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's the opposite is true for so many other Japanese games where the Japanese yeah. one is the, the, the harder version. Like both Duckfist and I played, you know, Mega Man 2, which of course in Japan is Rock Man 2. And it's in North America, they gave us the easy mode essentially on, on Mega Man 2. Uh, but mm-hmm. then in, in Japan, you're just stuck with hard mode. There is no choice. It's just like, that's what you're playing. Yeah, that's, that's weird. For a few years of games, it was like that for a lot of North American releases, like Super Mario Bros. USA or Mario Bros. 2, you know, North American right, version, right, limited right. continues. Castlevania 3, uh, I think you took more damage in that or there was like fewer drops or something like that. It, it was a harder game as well, just like Ninja Gaiden 3. I don't know what what's up with that. It's well, just like a I, couple I, of years. I'd seen something where there was this guy, like they had some guy in North America that was like the quality control and he would basically be like, no, this game's too hard uh, to release in the US or right. yes, this game can be released. And yeah, Todd uh, Todd Phillips, uh, Howard Phillips, yeah. I, I've the talked with him horrendous. before at a convention, yeah. He he was luckily, uh, he was the guy that just got to play the games where they came and he said, Americans can't do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think in some ways, like you were talking about some games being more difficult and then having to dumb it down for us, especially with things like Mega Man or, or maybe even like, I don't know about Dragon Warrior, but stuff where they're like, I don't know if the, the guy didn't will get it. Let's make it right. easier. But then the other games were like they'll they'll be done with this in in two hours. It, they will only rent it, so make it harder so that they have to earn their victory. I mean, the normal mode in Mega Man Two doesn't make the game any easier. IMO, <laughs> you still have Purple Hell. <laughs> game's impossible. <laughs> the other thing about well, I guess all of them do this. Like they just start ramping up swarms of enemies. Like you, you guys say multiple times, like. This is where like things start to get really difficult uh, over and over again. Things just like by the time in in I think it's the beginning of five. Like, I think it's like an opening screen of a level in five where you have to hit three platforms, grab underneath them, and use them to jump to the next one while you're weaving through dudes to get to a platform pretty quickly. Yeah, five um, one Ninja Gaiden three is what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah, that's where they really just start to spawn enemies like crazy. Every few pixels, there's a spawn, and if you're just moving at full speed, it's just wave after wave of enemy. Yeah, and like if you, it looks like if you hesitate at all, it's like you just get overrun. It, it, it looks fucking gross. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, this is one of the difficulties for a casual player of all of these games. Really, is because when you get when you get knocked back, it spawns enemies behind you because you're mm-hmm. strolling backwards and it just becomes this punching bag. You know, you're going back, killing enemies behind you. Suddenly they respawn in front of you. But if you actually just keep going and you have planned out the enemies to kill, it's no problem mm-hmm. at all. Like speed running just solves these games. It's funny how that works out. It, especially if you go backwards, uh, you're going to see an enemy in a, in a spot that you never see that enemy because you usually never go backwards right there. And so it just throws another monkey wrench in your plan. Because, yeah, once these guys are dead, they'll come back if you trigger that part of the screen again. So don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, especially Ninja Gaiden 1 is really sensitive to that. I had a question for you guys. So right before the run's about to start, uh, there's a great moment where the camera gets put on YouTube and... You're told like the audio, your your discussion will be, uh, your commentating will be like loud <laughs> enough for everybody to hear. And you both look a little uh, dismayed about it. And Sinister, you wanted to make sure that 
like, but the runners won't hear hear you guys while you're uh, uh, while they're running. Uh, what was the the big concern? Why why did you not want them to hear you doing the commentating? Is it like oh, a distraction, or you might miss? It's a, it's a distraction for the runners, really. It's a courtesy yeah. to them. So you know, we had done in in 2014, the year before AGDQ. I was the commentator with Golden for the Super Metroid uh, four way race, and it was very important for for those players uh, not to hear us. So we had we had requested the same setup. Uh, we said, mm-hmm. you know, just just make it like that, and then I think. I don't know. Some, some, somewhere the message got lost, but they looked confused, and we were like, "Wait, a, you know, what do you mean the runners aren't going to hear you?" And we were like, uh, "This is what we want." <laughs> uh, yeah, this was AGDQ 2015, so I can't remember exactly what the environment was like back then. But I don't. Maybe they hadn't totally streamlined the audio process, where now you know it's just immaculate. But back then it was a little bit more kind of up in the air, and this was yeah not very typical. Yeah, you know, we, we probably setup. just didn't have the right people happening to be on tech at that time. Uh, that knew what we were looking for, but I, I, I believe they eventually were able to do it. So, okay, I think it worked out. The audience could hear us, right? Yeah, no, I think the I think that was the issue. The audience couldn't hear us, but the viewers at home could hear us, and then the runners would not hear us because uh, they would uh, have to have headphones. Like, I think that's how they do that sort of thing now. Is where they've got runners have their headphones on. So yes, runners have had audience can now. Hear. They, they they didn't used to have that, and uh, even with that, because at AGDQ 2020, I did a run with uh, Zallard, and we had asked, you know, it was a blindfolded run, so we said, hey, we need to not hear the commentators, uh, and they tried to set it up, and I could still just barely hear the commentators, just like like faintly. I, t- I had to tell them like turn the volume up in my headset on the on the game audio so that I can't hear them because I could just you know. I could just make it out enough that it was going to distract me. Uh, but yeah. you know, for, for runners, these guys are playing in an extremely, you know, high stakes race, first ever relay. Some of these guys, it's their first ever marathon that they're playing in. Like they don't need to hear distractions coming in, you know, and, and be like, Oh, here comes this really hard part. Like they're already thinking <laughs> Let's that. See you know? oh, he, made it. <laughs> he missed the jump. He missed oh, the jump. I know. Let's see if like he can yeah. catch up and gain 10 seconds with this really hard jump. The other guy missed everybody. Watched. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, so that was the, that was really the, uh, the idea there. And I, I believe they were able to get it fixed. It sounds almost you know, like, Oh, well, like, I guess that would, be something you want and then as soon as the run starts like oh yeah no why would i would never want to hear what they're saying if I imagine someone commented like if someone yeah. commentated my life throughout the day about how i was messing up that'd be horrible I, <laughs> yeah 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 this is one of those, I do that yeah. i already do that so <laughs> yeah, i don't need someone enough. else doing it it's tricky <laughs> commentating speed runs. It's just one of the challenges is you, mm-hmm. at least as a runner, you, you gravitate towards all the mistakes because the perfect, you have the perfect run kind of in a script in this theory task in your head. And mm-hmm. you, if you execute that, you have nothing to talk about. <laughs> and then you just have to talk about the mistakes. So it's just yeah. kind of what comes naturally. And yeah, it's just might be awkward. I, w- I wanted to ask that is, is in definitely in a relay environment. Um, what are you focusing on as games transition? These games seem to have a natural, almost a natural pacing to the mechanics. You can talk about like basic stuff in the first level because you're only really seeing basic tech in the first level, but like you start to see more of the tech as it goes along. So it it's kind of nice with that. I don't I don't know if you feel that way, but 
about it. But yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you hit it on the head that yes, that thankfully the games do start out a little slower and ramp up in, in difficulty, but the reality is that all three games are really fast paced and Duckfist and I were almost like struggling to, to keep up. Our commentary was like also having to be like fast because like, Oh, there's so much, there was so much happening. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that we were just really trying to, you know, Oh, he just hit this trick and Oh, he just died. Oh, like it was like one thing after another. Um, so you yeah, know. Did, did you hear me like struggle to try and explain the NG two wall climbs? Like, there's you don't really have time <laughs> yeah, to do yeah, that yeah, in the middle yeah. of the race. <laughs> you have to really trim the fat, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah. So two to three we, frames uh, saved. You can fuck it up. Why even try? Uh, yeah. Here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you also might you know switch back to the other runners finishing up the previous game, and you just focus on you know oh they finished this boss, and then it's back to the back to the kind of the leaders game you know so it's yeah it's got to be quick and just mostly sadly you have to kind of focus on the lead because that's where all the new content is coming in is on the person first place and for this game they don't do this anymore but for this game you'll notice the transitions were extremely fast now in gdq relays they always like be like 30 seconds between games or a minute between games whatever they have like a countdown right so there's kind of like this lull in the action, but we had it set up in such a way that we actually, you know, trained the runners. We took them down. There was a, there was actually a, a private practice room uh, for the first time. This didn't used to exist, but there was a private practice room, which was just for Ooh. runners. So they could concentrate a little better. Cause as I alluded to earlier, you know, the main practice room, it's loud. There's people in there you can't concentrate. So in the private practice room, yeah, yeah, there's we've, all kinds of stuff going on. We've heard on. about the roving Kaizo players, roving bands of Kaizo players. So. Yeah, so so you'd rather yeah. So we get down to the private practice room, and and you know, thankfully in Ninja Gaiden, uh, the after you kill the final boss, it still does that countdown of the timer. So that gave enough time where we would actually have the next player up would switch out the controller, so they'd be standing at the console ready for the final hit. As soon as the final hit happened, they would switch out the controller and put in their controller. And then they were immediately able to get to their game. And we were using a power pack so that, you know, all three games were on the power pack. They didn't actually have to switch the cartridge itself. Yeah, it was a popular, popular flash cart for yes. NES. You know, there's also yes. the EverDrive. And this is something we were very mm-hmm. cognizant of. I think what Sinister was getting to. Yeah, we're they eventually implemented like this 30 second wait between games to kind of normalize everything. But that was before we were that smart. So well, I think we the, had th- the reason it happened mm-hmm. was actually for the next relay that we commentated. Duckfist was... Uh, the Mega Man one through three rail relay. If you'll remember Prizzy almost like tripped and fell into the table because he was like trying to oh. switch the controllers so fast that he like, right. he like jumped out of his chair and just like, it could have been, it could have been really bad. Like he almost just like face planted into a table. So, so after that, I think they were like, all right, you know what? Let's just take it slow. Nobody needs to get hurt. Let's not rush. You know, <laughs> 30 seconds yeah. in between. <laughs> We did have a cool setup, though, because we had three power packs. Uh, EverDrive had different loading times, so it just wasn't as fair if some were on EverDrive. I don't think we even had three EverDrives. And, like, the the time it took to load the menu was dependent on how many ROMs were, like, in that folder. So we, like, had three SD cards all with the exact same files, you know, so it had the exact same loading time. Yeah, we stripped it down. Yeah, so, I thought that was pretty cool that we still coordinated that. Speaking of pit crews and pit stops, you had to... Oh yeah, to run the runners themselves. They, they through. did their own. Yeah, they did their own pit stops, and that's yeah, how they would. Next do person it. was like 
holding the controller cord kind of ready for the timer to hit zero, then quickly power off, plug in controller power on, you know, switch yeah. places. Yeah. Give them a water bottle. But we had, pra- we had had them practice that. So they were ready to go, you know, they knew how to do it. And, you know, strangely enough, we had them do one practice relay and the practice relay ended up being an absolute train wreck where, <laughs> where the the team that won hopefully not on the level of people actual humans no crash. no thank okay. thankfully not it was it was just uh i believe what had happened was uh dexter who was doing ninja gaiden one he ended up dying in five one which is the most punishing stage because it's it's just a single screen so oh, if you yeah. get like towards the end of that screen you have to it sends you all the way back whereas most other stages in ninja gaiden they're not that long. It's like, okay, you just get sent back to the beginning of the screen. It's not, you know, it's not so punishing, but he died there not once, but twice. So essentially I think they were just like two minutes behind right off the, right off the jump in the first game. And it just never kind of recovered. And we were, we were kind of all like thinking to ourselves like, Oh God, this is about to go horribly. Isn't it? (laughs) Mike's going to give us a bunch of shit, isn't he? Yeah. Thankfully Mike wasn't there. He would have just like canceled the run on the spot. Be like, all right guys, it was a nice idea for the relay and all, but you know what? We're going to go another direction. (laughs) <laughs> you two have been going to games done quick since the, the elden days uh way back when it was a much smaller event uh what what do you personally miss most about the the smaller games done quicks i imagine it, it must have been a different yeah, a different beast back then yeah so so i was at the the very first ever games done quick marathon which was called classic games done quick in 2010 and i believe there was less than 30 people that attended that one, which of course was famously in Mike Uyama's basement. We had to move away from MAGFest because they did not have sufficient internet that they had promised us. Uh, Cause you know, I mean, it's not, that's not that kind of event. Like they didn't have people streaming from the event. So they were like, right. You know what, what you, the Wi-Fi is not good here. What's going on? Like, you know, it's like, no, we need to actually like upload, you know, gameplay footage to the internet anyways. Um, and it was also 2010 technology's come a long way, but right. But I would say that, you know, the, the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, as the marathons grew, you'd get more and more people coming, which was good because the community was growing and you'd want to meet these new people. And you'd be like, oh, wow, you know, like this person's coming and I've never got to meet them before. Or this person's coming. And then, you know, oh, we're getting international people. So it was great. Uh, and then but by 20, 2015 was actually the year that it really exploded. So and I know this because. Uh, and I, I'm going to try to say this in the most humble way possible, but r- remember up to that point, the community small, pretty much everybody knows each other. When you go to these events, like you'll meet a few new people that maybe you didn't know, but like people pretty much know each other. You're like, Oh, that's, yep. that's duck fist. Oh, that's <laughs> Dexter. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I come up, you know, I, I come into the event and, uh, you know, the people at the check-in desk are like, okay, who are you? And I'm like, I didn't know who they were either, but I was like, what's yeah, going on here? What, ha- what happened? This used to be like everybody knows <laughs> each other and, you know, you, you're just kind of like taken aback. Uh, and, you know, so that's when I knew like, oh, wow, we've really reached that point of growth where it's like there are just people coming from everywhere now. Like it's not just community members. Like there's people that just want to watch the runs. There's people that are interested in the charity aspect. There's, you know, people that, that are just somehow they heard about this and they're, they're coming, you know, for whatever reason, um, for the pinball machine for the, exactly. <laughs> like, so, so it just, it had grown and, and, you know, and 2015, like I said, was that first year where I realized 
it's never going to be the same as what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 2014 was kind of this, uh, you know, this year that, that it, it had really grown, like it grew a lot in that year, but also there were a few key things that happened that took us away from that old feeling. And number one was, uh, we hit the first million dollars. That was the first time that had ever happened was AGDQ 2014. Uh, and also I think we had, you know, moved to a hotel for the first time. Previously, the event had been held in this thing called the 4-H center, which kind of like a youth center. I don't know how to describe it. It's not a hotel. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. So, so it was kind of like, okay, you know, we're in this, like yeah, we're in this YMCA. Right. So it's, yep. it's, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, so we'd kind of, we'd outgrown that we've grown into a venue that's a hotel. And, and again, 2014, that's when we had the big European contingent that had come. Uh, so that was kind of like this year of explosive growth, but it was still contained in such a way that it was still like everybody in the community. But then after that, that event was so successful that it, it really, really put GDQ on the map, in my opinion. Like, that is just kind of like the event. In G- if you look back at GDQ history, like, that is probably, I'd say, one of the most important events without question. Yeah, my response was going to be almost the exact same. And I would probably put AG, AGDQ 2014 as that definitive turning point. Uh, that mm-hmm. one, I don't know if it's that one or just from then on. It felt like it was the community was way bigger. I, I didn't like know everybody when I went in there. Um, I think that might have been the first one I saw. Like I would have caught part of it live. Yeah, that was the first time we had a projector. I remember yeah. that much. Yeah, uh, wow, that was the first AGDQ at a hotel. But actually, SGDQ 2013, the previous summer, That's was true. also at a hotel. That's true. But it, yeah, it, it felt yeah. very tightly knit. On a, though, yeah, still, on a technicality, know. that was a small hotel. This was like a. Like a AGDQ was split, but that's right. a good call out. You're right. You're right, Duckfist. I'm trying to like erase <laughs> that one from my memory because Duckfist had beaten me in, oh, in a Ninja so Gaiden though. race at SGDQ 2013. <laughs> How could you forget? So I was just trying to like you know be like, oh that 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 didn't happen. We were never at that hotel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was still a great time. And like the actual running, the room was much smaller there. There was it wasn't like a you know, amphitheater or auditorium yes. or, or whatever, where there was even room for a screen. It still felt it like tiny. a, you know, conference room. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, but, you uh, if you go back and watch those VODs, you could fit maybe like 20 people in that room, like 20, 20 yeah. audience members. And we did. If you watch some of that, yeah, everyone knew each other still, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's, that was definitely one of my kind of nostalgic points for all GDQ. So my first one was SGDQ 2011, which was at Essentia's house. Uh, speedrunner. I think uh, Bro Sencha is still around quite a bit. He's yeah. still doing a lot of events and stuff. Yep. So it's uh, his sister. Um, but that was in Utah. We had like 30 people at their house, you know, and it was homegrown stream setup. And, you know, it was, you knew everybody there. <laughs> and it was just way, to me, it was just like lower pressure, um, just lower key. Um, yeah, really, that's, that's about it. Just kind of knowing everybody was something I missed a lot. But I will say that, you know, you can still get that same feeling if you go to other events. You know, if you go to, say, RPG Limit Break, I don't know, maybe it's gotten much bigger now. But, you know, because that was kind of a more fledgling event and there'd be a smaller crowd there and you would kind of know people. Or even, you know, if you went to, say, European Speedrunner Assembly, ESA, that was smaller. It's quite, it's, it's grown quite a bit, uh, but it's still mm-hmm. smaller still relative to... To GDQ or you know there's there's pace 
uh, as another event. So there are still those other events where you can still kind of get that same small tight knit community feel, but games yeah. done quick, you're going, that's, that's going to be the big, the big show. Yeah. Uh, I don't, is there anything you want to, any, any hot goss, anything you want to get off your chest before? No I don't know one if there's any back. juicy gossip, we'll take it, but yeah, otherwise closing thoughts is good too. Bring back the Ninja Gaiden relay. I mean, yeah, that's all I could yes. think of, really. I mean, let's get, bring it back. Let's get let's get Arcus versus uh, Retro Runner on Ninja Gaiden One. Dude, we'll have that would be we'll sick. have we'll have uh, Jimmy versus Becco in Ninja Gaiden Two, and then we'll just have to bring back uh, Rich and Crack Attack in Three because they had such the epic rivalry. I'm not even sure like who the record holders are in that one now. <laughs> um, but no, I guess what, what I would say for closing thoughts, I, I love that idea. First of all, duck fist, bring it back. Um, that would be very cool. Uh, maybe, maybe for AGDQ 2025, the 10 year anniversary, we'll get the relay back in there. Um, but what I, what I will say is I think this, this really the guys that set up the first one. I'll, I'll get you in contact with them. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> Uh, so basically, yeah, I think the, the awesome thing that I would say is that these games have really continued to shine. And some of those runners I just mentioned, like, you know, like Arcus, uh, he was in the community at the time, but he was, uh, you know, obviously not as good as he is now or as well known. He can do it. And, you know, so he's kind of come out of this whole thing. Uh, Retro Runner is a great example of how, like, People will think, oh, this game is, you know, completely optimized and it's so dominated by one person and then somebody just comes out of the blue. That's one of the things I love the most about speedrunning is we're just like new players will enter the space. And most of the time, you know, people just, oh, I just want to get a time on the leaderboard. But every now and then you'll get somebody that'll come in and just be like, I want this record. And they go after it and they get it. So, you know, retro runner uh really cool guy and he was able to you know actually beat arcus's time which is pretty insane uh jimmy poopins he's still at it out of this group i believe he's the only one that is still doing any speed running of ninja gaiden and he's so he's he's actually trying to get the record in two again he's done a few of the other he's been doing some of the other categories uh the the low percent and the pacifist categories but i think he still does want to reclaim the any percent record at some point so that that would be pretty cool to see but it's just it's nice to kind of see this legacy of these games living on still being optimized the time still going Mm -hmm. down because you know when duckfist and i when we first played ninja gaiden 2 we raced it at agdq 2013 and we uh you know both at that time we had had a sub 11 times which was like a really big deal at that time and now the time is down to sub 10 which is if you had told us at that time we would have both been like no way nobody's ever oh dude i had the game solved back then i wouldn't have believed any of that yeah no (laughs) we would have been like that somebody's cheating not happening uh yeah but it's just amazing and that's such like again like duckfist mentioned earlier there's no rng in ninja gaiden 2 like you're it's not like you can just get lucky and get a lower time like they had to find all these like minute frame saves that just somehow added up to like 30 seconds over the years you know Mm -hmm. so it's pretty crazy to think about or just never miss you know the sword jump 
slash yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 just be a god at the sword jump, which, you know, Retro Runner, I think that's one of the reasons he actually has the record is his wall climbing it is absurd. Like, when you watch him do it, <laughs> you're just, it, I mean, it almost looks like the task, which the task looks like it's just flying up the wall. Uh, and he looks like a close second to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more people should play Ninja Gaiden. I mean, it's like one of, to, to me, it's like the definitive uh, action platformer. Whenever I hear the term action platformer, at least with, with respect to like really old games like this, that fits the definition so well. I mean, there's just so much. It's such a short run and there's stuff happening. It's like densely packed in that like, the 10 to 15 minute run. It's just constant action every second of the way. There's no downtime in any of these games. It's like at most like three seconds of downtime as the score counts down at the end of the stage. Other than that, you're constantly moving. You're constantly attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just fantastic games. I'd like to see more, uh, you know, platformer runners go back and pick up some Ninja Guy. Play Mega Man. You love Ninja Guy. You play, you know, Celeste or Meat Boy. You love Ninja Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my closing thoughts. My closing thoughts. I just want to personally thank you two for helping organize the first live relay at a in a competitive event like that's super awesome that you guys had the the forethought and you got it together people might have fallen through some tables getting ready for it and there was a lot of uh, mayhem but it's gotten like out of control like everyone looks forward it's one of the highlights of these conventions now is when there's a big uh race multiple games multiple people and uh so fuck yeah good job guys <laughs> thank you thank yeah, you good job sinister oh yeah yeah i guess i'd say shout out to, to joka for putting on the yeah. Mega Man relay races in the years up to that that's yeah what for sure for us. sure you see him there waving he's, like he's the, the toasty guy yes exactly he's he's the he's the godfather of the uh the relay races work on that mortal combat rom hack hey guys uh what are you guys up to these days uh duck just wants to go first if people want to want to send you virtual hugs how can they do that oh geez uh well i'm haven't been too involved with the community <laughs> too recently um i mean really the past few years i've just kind of been on and off uh but yeah i was maybe a few weeks ago did a i mostly do some casual like a rpg streams just some nostalgic super nintendo and playstation one era like rpgs you know i did final fantasy 6 on stream a couple of weeks ago Uh, but i've got some speed plans i guess uh, around the corner i need to work on another like retro setup here Uh, but i want to get back to super mario brothers 3 one of these days do some speedruns of that Mm. uh i've got some other Mega Man plans too but i don't know i don't want to you know get anyone's hopes up but um yeah twitch.tv slash duckfist and i did want to come back uh to do some more regular streaming i've just got to work out uh, the situation here i have with work and uh but uh, but yeah, the it'll always I'll, I'll always come back. <laughs> Just might be a little while. I mean, I'll, I'll always love these games forever. I agree. Uh, Sinister, tell us why Chippendales <laughs> Rescue Rangers is a fun as hell game. Uh, see, you can't, you can't ask me a question like that at the end of the podcast. I mean, we could do a whole another podcast <laughs> on that. Uh, what I will say is, listen, it's an excellent co-op speed run. Uh, I speed run it with my buddy General Andrews. We do it every Saturday uh, on twitch.tv slash Sinister One. And we just got our any percent record to the, the it's the most optimized it's ever been. And we're happy with it. It's a 915. That was our goal. We, we were done. But there's another category, the all zones category, which is essentially like 100 percent. You got to play three extra levels. 
Uh, we're working on that now. We wanted to get that to sub 12. Just the last uh, last stream that we had, we got uh, 12 uh, hmm. or maybe 1201, 12 or 1201. We're very close. We're very close. So you'll want to tune in. Uh, we're going to get that goal and then we're going to we're going to put Rescue Rangers back up on the shelf after that. Okay, so get in while you can, folks. Yes. Um, Bradley, we, we have other shows uh, that we should talk about, but then we also want to thank our wonderful patrons on this show. So uh, how can people hear your beautiful voice other ways? Um, my beautiful voice, you can find it on Hair of the Dogcast. That's uh, the other podcast that I'm on. Uh, we talk about beer and video games. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes we discuss Kingdom Hearts lore, and it's really bad, and we're all <laughs> miserable about it. But it's seriously it's our- bad at that point. But it's our duty, and we do it. We also have an Elden Ring show called Elden Dogs, which it's just a lot of fun because I'm obsessed with that game. Yeah, so check out Hair of the Dog Cast if you want. There's a really I recommend Raw Dogs number twenty, the history of speedrunning. Um, that one was a fun research topic. That was before I had uh, really got to know any of the community, so it was me, just still bright eyed and bushy tailed. Uh, yeah, you're running around with a microphone like a journalist, practically. Yeah, 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 Mr. Mr. Hobbs, can I can, can you spare a minute for the, the Bradley Free Press? <laughs> and he just punched me in the face and said, get out of here, kid. <laughs> I don't talk to the media. Very Hobbs, very Hobbs. And uh, yourself, Luigi, where can people find you? Hey, I talk about Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda book club podcast called Chat of the Wild. Uh, we're moving through Skyward Sword. I should be playing it right now. And uh, I also talk about the of 64 games on... Remember, 64. Um, but Bradley, we do have a Patreon for Possibly Bad. People should check it out. They can get access to a bunch of shows early. They can get access to bonus uh, commentary episodes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Possibly Bad. Uh, do we want to thank our executive producers, Luigi? I think we should do that. Um, it is a $10 more tier. And uh, you're... You are an executive producer of the show, like these fine people, like Tom Mangar, Ethan King, Hylian Gamer One, Brian Ward, Professor Howell, Cassandra Lenhart, and Lisa Slack. Thank, Thank you, you for so your much. support. We appreciate y'all. And uh, thanks to Duckfist yeah. and Sinister for sitting through our our self promo stuff. Uh, you're real troopers. Um, or maybe they were doing commentary on a different audio track that we couldn't hear uh, <laughs> talking about how we messed that one up. Multitasking, yeah. multitasking. I'm getting um, my own shout outs. You guys just can't <laughs> Major thanks uh, for joining us, you two. Y'all are wonderful legends and we appreciate your time and uh, everybody that's listening should go and check out their their twitches and support them any way that you can and support us afterwards don't forget us either but uh yes yeah Uh, and thanks to all the listeners for joining us on this journey uh anything else from you luigi press play on this episode on all the devices in your household yeah every one of them play us on your fridge we need the listeners
Yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Duck this. Go first. Hi, I'm Duckfist. <laughs> I think we I lost went for him, it. guys. I'll uh, I'll, I'll so. go first while Duckfist is. He, he was speaking, but 